I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Simone Davies, author, certified Montessori educator, and blogger. Her new book, The Montessori Toddler, A Parent's Guide to Raising a Curious and Responsible Human Being. Toddlers are misunderstood human beings, known for their alarming tantrums and insatiable curiosity. Raising them can bring as many joys as it does frustrations. The Montessori method offers a holistic approach for parents looking for a more peaceful way to be with toddlers, to encourage their child's natural independence and curiosity while bringing some calm back into the home. In the United States alone, there are more than 4,500 Montessori schools catering to children from infancy to 18 years old. Simone Davies helps parents incorporate Montessori into their home and daily life through her popular blog and online courses available on the Montessori Notebook. Her work has, she and her work have been featured in the New York Times. Welcome to the show, Simone. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much, Catherine, for allowing me on the show today. It's super fun to be here. Well, I'm somewhat familiar with Montessori because one of my boys went to Montessori school, loved it for uh, preschool mm-hmm. and kindergarten. So I have some idea of what it's all about. But uh, I get, well, let's talk about the Montessori, you know, what is the Montessori holistic approach and how does it fit into what's happening to us now in this age of COVID? How, you know, how, how are you, what's changed in terms of being able to go to Montessori school um, yeah, of course. This, yeah, well, so for those who don't know what Montessori is, I guess most people know what traditional education is like, where we sit yeah. in rows often and the teacher stands at the front of the classroom and decides what everyone's going to learn today. And it's very much top-down learning where basically children are seen as vessels of facts that they need to memorize. Um, and it's not super inspiring and the children aren't really in charge of their own learning. And in Montessori, as you know from your own child, then um, it's really in the hands of the child to decide what they feel like learning today. And each child can learn in their own unique way, in their own unique timeline. Um, and so that kind of works by having mixed-age classrooms. So you have three-year-olds um, right up to six-year-olds together and six- to nine-year-olds and nine- to 12-year-olds so that you have older ones who are modeling and helping the younger ones and the younger ones really look up to and admire what the older ones are doing and each child's actually working on their own activities um, around the classroom and as they move into elementary they start doing more group work and explorations as well. It's a really rich curriculum and it sounds like chaos but it really works because the teacher gives a lesson, knows where each child's up to and can give a lesson um, with the next activity when they've mastered the last one. And so now, unfortunately, with COVID, there are some places um, that aren't able to meet in person. And so there has been some distance learning going on and really getting the parents on board with using a lot of what the Montessori approach is in the home. And actually, there's many beautiful math materials and curriculums like geography and cultures around the world and all those things which we can't have in our homes. But a lot of the practical life activities and how we care for ourselves and um, building on to like um, when you're doing a practical life skill that's basically a skill of daily life where the children learn to make their own snacks and all those kind of things those things you can do in the home and it it sounds like that's not real work but it really is because it builds like the child's independence and their executive functioning skills by following a series of activities and the satisfaction there's also fine motor and gross motor activities when you're preparing food for example or looking after your home environment like by cleaning and all of those kind of things as well as lots of language and social development so um, that's how a lot of people are dealing with COVID at the moment um, and some kind of Zoom check-ins to keep in touch with what their friends are doing as well. 
Simone, you, are there any like prerequisites for parents if they're going to be doing online Montessori homeschooling? Because you said now, I mean, the onus is on them more than, it, you know, before that you take your kid to school and, and that's, you know, it's up to the teacher and the students. But now the parents are involved. Do they, what, what kind of training do they need or will they need training? Let's say if they're doing half going to school, because some of the schools, I guess, are considering you go to school uh, online and then you go in person and they're sort of mixing the two. I don't know. Is that happening in the Montessori community? Yeah, I think some of the best things that are happening is not using the online program where they're sitting at the computer so much, but more getting the parents involved in setting some activities up and so the children can still do these hands-on activities at home and make discoveries for themselves. So I have a beautiful friend who's doing this in Nigeria with her um, children and there you can't even order things on Amazon. So she's making kits, for example, of like a prick work, which is a little sharp um, prick pen and the children are pricking around the continent of Africa so they can learn not only the continent but they're doing the fine motor skills and then she'll pack up all of these things and the children, um, the parents can then lay them out on the shelves at home and she's made it very um, holistic in that there's a language activity that will lead into the geography activity they'll have like themes like birds and flowers and then there's um, craft activities like making your own necklace from flowers and then identifying the flower and then identifying the parts of flowers. So it doesn't actually, um, it, that's why it is more work in some ways for the parents up front, but actually once the children can get on and do their independent work, then the parent can if they need to jump on a call for their meeting and those kind of things. Although I do know a lot of parents who are kind of trying to structure their work around the children a little bit more, so maybe between nine and three being available more for some of their hands-on schoolwork. And then, you know, between parents maybe juggling who has what meeting and who's going to be in charge and then maybe working in a later part of the evening as well. It's definitely well, title, a time for creativity for sure. Yeah, creativity is the key. The title of the book is The Montessori Toddler. So are there any toddlers that have or would have that you maybe more difficult in uh, in, sort of, in doing this and sort of being a part of the, the, the Montessori approach that maybe would have more pro yeah well that's the question actually you know what to look for in kids who maybe have difficulty doing these kinds of things or these activities yeah, so with toddlers, these are usually children under three years old, and these children are actually the most flexible because they're learning to adapt to whatever culture they're born into and their time and place in history. And so for them, they don't know that we've never been in COVID times before, and so actually they're really happy to maybe have two parents at home, um, but they still have needs. They need to move. They need to talk and those kind of things. And so if you see your toddler climbing on a table, it would be, okay, I can see they need to climb, and how are we going to be creative to provide a climbing opportunity that's safe for you and that meets your need for climbing um, and those kind of things. So I think if it's mostly actually the parents that need to get into the Montessori approach more than the child because the child is about, um, it's about allowing their curiosity in the world and about hands-on learning and pretty much you can't stop a toddler from being interested in that kind of thing. But it may not come naturally to a lot of parents to allow their children some more freedom or accessibility to make their own snack. Um, and I don't mean just like let them open up the fridge and take whatever they like, but like maybe just having a small amount of um, spread so, and a little knife so that they can make some spread without messing up all of your you know, butter container or whatever they're spreading onto their little crackers and having things that are accessible so that they can go and get themselves a glass of water, even if they're two years old, that they're there's a step that they can get a glass and take it to the sink and get their own water. And so these kind of daily life activities are available and really most toddlers 
are interested. I don't get many children who come to my classes who don't want to touch anything. They may want to stand on the side and observe other children, and that's also fine. But actually at home, most children are happy and feel safe in their space to explore. One of the things you also talk about in the uh, Montessori toddler is like, and this is kind of hard to do, I think, in this when you're confined to your house or your apartment or wherever you're confined, but you talk about decluttering our homes, get rid of the stuff we don't, this is an opportunity to get rid of the stuff that we don't need, keep it simple so that we can do all these kinds of things that you're describing with the kids, with the toddlers. Yeah, I actually, um, I know some people who have actually made the most of this time of being more at home because it's been never more important to have a space where the children are engaged. And so what, often what happens is we have too many activities, too many toys have built up and the children can't find anything. Or we set it up in a toy box so they've got everything thrown in a toy box, but the only way they're going to be able to find something to play with is to pull everything out of the toy box to find all the parts. So in Montessori, what we'd prefer to do is to have like a low shelf that the child can access. So for a two-year-old, it's quite low for a three four-year-old could be a bit higher and those kind of things and then lay out on a tray like a puzzle for um, activity and there may be an activity if they're practicing threading things that it's all everything that they need will be on a little tray or in a basket so that they can find everything they need and then maybe they're interested in vehicles so there might be a basket of vehicles and maybe some pictures to match the vehicles to or books about vehicles or finding out about what a fireman or a firewoman does um, and then you can actually follow the child's interest and so you have less things out and then everything else you put into storage and when you actually go through this process you realize you need much less because when you lay out less things children actually can be much more creative and um, stick with things longer so I just tell parents to maybe have two boxes um, in their living room area or where their toys are and anything they notice like for example if you have a two-year-old you don't need any baby rattles kicking around anymore you can put them into a box and keep them aside for another child or for um, a friend to pass them onto and then another box with things that you know might be be able to pull them out in a, a few weeks and they'll be interesting again so I thought I would just do this while my children were small and as they got older I kept doing it because I noticed that if I gave them three Lego sets then they just pulled it out and all became one big mess but if I took out one Lego set at a time then they built that and then used it to build any construction that they like and then like, you start tripping over it and you can put that one away and like, you bring out another box and oh, it looks like a new toy because, and they take much better care of their things as well so it sounds idealistic but actually it works much better and it takes a little bit more work up front but you save so much time and you have more creative explorations going on in your home yeah keep it simple <laughs> um, mm. And speaking of keep, keeping it simple, uh, another topic that you cover is simple nature explorations on our doorstep. So what do we do if you have a doorstep and you are you have a house and you how can you have nature? <laughs> well, how do you get those nature explorations on our doorstep? I know my and I keep saying this and repeating this every week, but my grandchildren and family, they're living with me, two two year olds, twins and a four-year-old, oh, and yeah. uh, they're into bugs. Well, there are enough bugs we find flying around on the porch and outside that keep them occupied for a long period of time. So we're into bugs, but I'm sure there are other things that you can explore as well. Well, absolutely. I was just having a little meet-up online with some of our toddler friends, and I said to them, go out of the streets in Amsterdam. We're right in the middle of the city, and see what nature you can find, and we'll collect them, and we'll all have a look, and we'll, we'll see what there is. And they came back with a stick, and then they came back with a leaf, and another one found a flower growing up between two pavers. And it was amazing what nature was right on the doorstep. And so with all of these nature collections that we had, um, we sorted them. So we'll put all the leaves together, and then we'll put all the rocks together, and we'll put all the sticks 
sticks together. So that was a sorting activity for them. And then we would look up the names of maybe a flower that we didn't know. And um, for older children, you can start to name the parts of the leaves and how the water gets to leave. And then for an even older children, child, you'll be talking about photosynthesis and how it creates oxygen and gives life to the earth and what it needs. Um, so there's many, like natural learning opportunities just from finding things outside and then you can use it for creative exploration so we painted the leaves and made prints um, we made leaf um, crayon drawings you know where you put the leaf under the paper and you r do a rubbing with the with the crayon and you can do um, you know play-doh you can make prints into play-doh or clay so I even have a recipe that we made together making play-doh so there's all these nature explorations just right on your doorstep for older children you might have a nature journal for younger children we just had like a big bowl and every time we went out and collected things we'd put our nature collection in there and you can have a magnifying glass and they can enjoy, enjoy it even inside as well. What about parents who aren't perhaps the kind of parents who did this before? Maybe, you know, they're finance people or they're <laughs> lawyers or people who, not necessarily teachers or pe people in the helping profession, and this isn't their cup of tea, and they, they experience burn. I mean, it all it sounds great, and as you said, the kids, it's great for the kids. I mean, they're going to delight in all of these activities. But what do you say to the parents who say, I can't do this. This is too much. This is not something I can do every day. I have to do my work. Um, how do you kind of mitigate their frustration and, and their burnout? Yeah, I think it's also understanding that parents are people too and that doesn't come easily to them. So it's getting the information to them in a way that they do find accessible. So whenever I'm making resources for parents, um, I don't just send an email because some parents will read an email and other people won't. So then some other parents will need a video um, to see that kind of thing being explained. And um, another parent will actually prefer to have a conversation with them or even to have a group conversation so they can talk with the other parents and see what's working in other parents' home. Because one to hear it from the teacher and another to hear it from another parent about how they managed to include them in the um, preparation of the dinner. And I guess the one thing I would say is allow time. So the first thing that a lawyer or whatever could be really good at is time planning and looking at their schedule and saying, okay, well, normally I try and cook dinner in half an hour, but what if I just allowed an hour and got my kid involved and then I'm going to look up a video about how I can work with a one-and-a-half-year-old or a three-year-old and see what kind of things everyone else is doing. Um, and so it's, it's understanding that it's difficult for people, but also to, I think time is is probably the biggest part that's most difficult for people. The creativity, yeah. you can find everything luckily on the internet these days. Well, I think one thing you said, the support group, yes, you can you get the support from, 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 from other teachers or online or training, but being able to connect with other parents who are doing the same thing is probably really critical. I would assume that it's all part of this, that, that it's very yeah, important to be Yeah, that's something I think that's really been a benefit to come out of COVID times is I was running a lot of the um, classes and meetups online, and it would be the parents helping each other that realized this actually we miss in the classroom when um, I actually have parents in my class, but and they like chatting to each other and hearing those things but actually it was a, a, a possibility for them to give advice to each other and that was um, something that was something we didn't really think of I think before COVID times we're all very independently looking after ourselves but it really takes a village to raise these children. You know the title of the book again is The Montessori Toddler but can we skip ahead a little bit and when we talk because Montessori goes from infancy to 18 years old so what about these high school kids how does what kind of training or what kind of I guess program is it for kids who are 14 to 18 let's say which is high school what what do they do and what yes. do they do differently yeah 
And so it's quite interesting. There's not that many Montessori high schools. Um, there's a few Montessori compromises, like we call them urban compromises, where they're trying to have a traditional school with some Montessori. For example, there's one, um, I'm based in Europe, and there's one in Belgium that has a, like more a program where the children go to class. Again, there's mixed age groups, and you have teachers coming in to teach them lessons, but they're teaching more research-based things. So the children then go off and look things up, not always just even with the internet, but with books, you know, because actually to turn over pages a book, you come across something that you weren't really expecting to find. Well, we search, we search very narrowly. Um, when you come across a book, you realize there's many other topics that you might not even have thought about on the, under that topic heading. Um, and they're also what we are, the multidisciplinary nature of... Um, Rather than just math subjects, maths can intersect with other things like language. Um, history can intersect with French, and there can be many intersections. So they also look at those kind of things. So that's a really beautiful Montessori compromise. I know there's some Montessori schools that actually have the same textbooks as they do in traditional schools, but the children are given more independence as to when they finish those um, the work and hand it in. So that's like a Montessori compromise as well. But actually, Dr. Montessori herself designed an Erdkinder, which means, um, you know, going back actually to the land and found that children between 12 and 15 are actually not very academic. They're more interested in social, they're pushing away from the family. And so it's almost like a boarding school where they go and work on a farm and they run a shop a store and a hotel. So hotel, they're running a hotel for the parents to come visit and they have to look after all of the daily things. So there's so much organization and practical life activities that are involved in running a hotel and running a store and learning about finance and growing your own vegetables to sell in the store or hand goods and art and craft. And so it's actually a very um, hands-on curriculum learning through living. And then they become a bit more academic between 15 and 18. Then you have more guided studies and things like that as well. Um, but it's actually not such a, a big part yet. We hope that more Montessori high schools will come. How does that prepare them for college? It seems to me that that would be a better preparation for college than many of our just traditional high schools where there's just a lot of memorization going on, uh, you know, in whatever subjects they're taking. Because you say you start... So oh, that no, middle absolutely. St- yeah. yeah, and they all have different roles in that um, society as well. Because a lot of people think of Montessori and think of independence and the children are only working on themselves. But actually, even from the children in my classes who are under three, they're learning about taking care of their friends and putting things back on the shelf so they're ready for the next person. And, and taking turns and waiting their turn and um, when a friend drops something they go over just naturally to help them pick it up um, and someone starts crying and another child will go and get a tissue so there's a lot of social um, development activities and taking different roles having mixed age groups where you're all of a sudden the oldest in the class that's six years old and you can help a younger child and you know how much that consolidates your own learning when you have to explain to someone how something works um, so that's not wasting their time it's a really valuable part of the program so when you get them working like in a farm environment or running a hotel, they're really like life skills and they can also take on a project role, leader role. And then another time they're actually having to do the monotonous tasks, washing up, um, because that's also part of life. And um, they get to have really practical skills about economy. Like why aren't our things selling the stores? What are other people selling? And how are we going to tell people that our store is open? You have to market it. So I think it's really life skills. I mean, also the elementary program is amazing and they have um, children actually, a big part of it is going out. So they have a limited environment. They have beautiful, rich 
rich materials about biology and astronomy and all these kind of things, but then they leave the children to go and I don't, can't answer everything in this classroom, so we're going to make a trip to um, maybe a library or a museum and find out more. And then they actually ring the museum and they find out if they can have an appointment with someone to see, and then they have to actually or look up the timetables and work out how they get there. And then a, a parent is there just as a, a supervisor, so just for safety. Like if they get on the wrong bus, that's part of the experience as well about how you get back. You know, so the parents not allowed to interfere. They have to really let the children and think of all those life skills that are going on. So and then they go and get the information from the source, which is much more valuable than looking it up on the internet. So I love how rich the curculum is. Um, these that these Montessori children get. Much yeah, passing it, it, it really connects all of that academic to the real world. There's a whole connectedness because very often, uh, I mean, I remember, I mean, I went to boarding school, but you was, you know, how's this going to relate? It was always like, how is this really going to relate to to the real world when I get out there? What, what what does this have to do with it, I guess? And so this really brings the whole connection all together. Holistic, I guess. This is the holistic approach, right? This is... Um, yeah, it really maybe. is. Um, we don't just focus on academics. We focus on the social side, um, but also, yeah, both sides of the brain. You know, music's a big part and dance and all of those kind of things as well, moving our bodies. Um, you know, children don't want to sit in a chair even. So for three to six-year-olds, it's great um, that they can get up and move around the classroom, that they need to go and get the activity from the shelf, bring it to a, a table and then put it back when they're done. Um, movements built into so many parts of the curriculum because they also talk about, you know, you can't learn, a lot of children can't learn by sitting still. They need to move and integrate it. Um, there's a lot of research now about that. Yeah, very important. Uh, well, we have a couple minutes left. So let's talk about uh, websites that we can go to. A website, The Montessori Toddler is the title of the book, Simone Davis. What's where, you know, we can buy the book like Amazon bookstores everywhere, I guess. I, I'm not sure now about bookstores everywhere, but online. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Try and support your yeah. local bookstore if they've got an online store. Um, and yeah. if they want any other information about Montessori, then my website's the montessorinotebook.com. And there's information there about where they can find the book as well as a lot of online courses for parents and um, lots of free articles. I've been blogging for 11 years, so there's definitely a lot to get on. They can read and download all the free resources there as well. So the courses, the online courses are available on the Montessori Notebook. And mm-hmm. yeah, are these courses that you have, just one question, do you have to, uh, is there a cost involved or how does that work? Just 30 seconds, I guess, but what? Yeah, so the uh, courses are paid courses. They're $29 uh, for most of the courses for a two-hour workshop, for example, on how to talk to kids. So they'll listen or Montessori for toddlers or Montessori for a preschool age and how you can bring the principles into the home. And we also have ones now with specialists on bilingualism and um, other things like that as well. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great information. Simone Davies, the Montessori toddler. Have a great day and stay safe. Thank you, Catherine. It was a delight. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 